Hello, everyone, and welcome back to yet another episode of Shadow Talk, Digital Shadow's weekly threat intelligence podcast that covers the latest stories and trends in the cyber world. My name is Alex, your host, and with me today, I have Casey. How are you doing today, Casey? Hey, Alex. I'm good. How's it going? I'm doing pretty well. I also have the other very familiar Shadow Talk face, or I guess voice, with me today. So, Charles, how are you? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. How are you guys? Good. We had we always have to deal with your microphone issues at the beginning, Charles. So this is um, it's good that you got that sorted. Every time that we have to like restart the call, it defaults back to the like default microphone and not the one that I have selected. So it's just always kind of a and I never know because I don't get any kind of notification just unless you guys tell me. So well, you sound absolutely incredible now. So let's let's keep it that way. The voice of an angel. So for this week, we have a bunch of content to go over. So I think we should just jump right into it. So first and foremost, I would like to go to cover for at least what I think is the most interesting topic. So a couple of days ago now, a couple of different subreddits appear to have been defaced. Um, that kind of reminds me of the big Twitter incident from a few weeks ago. But Charles, would you be able to tell us more about what exactly happened to Reddit? Uh, so yeah, man. So it was actually more than, more than a couple. It was quite a few at last count. I mean, uh, there was... How many? Uh, I didn't see a, a full list, but there was uh, one of the lists I saw was somewhere around like 50 to 60. And they, they said that that was not the full list at the time uh, that I had seen initially. Um, so it's kind of interesting where it, it does differ from the Twitter thing uh, is that Reddit security team has disclosed that all of the uh, subreddits that have been defaced were defaced by mods of of those subreddits because those moderators did not have two-factor authentication enabled and they had their accounts uh, taken over. So it wasn't that necessarily Reddit itself was the victim of something so much as these people's accounts uh, were brute forced. Um, There's actually, there was a a Twitter account that was uh, claiming responsibility for doing it and uh, they were running polls uh, for their followers to say like, which which one should we do next? Uh, and, And having people go ahead and they were like, you know, give votes and then go deface that subreddit. Um, and there was just, there was no real rhyme or reason to any of the subreddits they were defacing. There was all, I mean, there was the, the DFW subreddit, the Dallas subreddit, like various sports subreddits. There, it just seemed the to JoJo's be JoJo's kind of, subreddit. Yeah. It's, yep. It, uh, seemed to be kind of whatever they felt like doing at the time, whatever accounts they got access to. So not necessarily anything that they were specifically going to target. Uh, and then it seemed that they were just, uh, as well, kind of continuing the tradition we've seen in the last few years of, of, uh, kind of that portion of the internet uh, that uh, tends to uh, troll and do stuff like that. I guess sometimes you see a, a lot of that. And, uh, and so they, uh, but they were defacing it and they were doing all a whole lot of like pro Trump 2020 uh, advertising, things like that. They were changing all the backgrounds, all the home screens on all the, all the different subs and everything to, to reflect like pro Trump uh, campaign messaging and stuff like that. So uh, it just seemed that they were just out there really just trying to rile people up and uh, you know, like just, uh, wreak havoc, cause a problem. So, yeah, and it, and it was the people that who that had taken over the accounts that were actually doing it, but they used the moderators' accounts to do so. Obviously, because they have elevated privileges to be able to change the uh, the the layout of the subreddits and the formatting, right? Correct. And and yeah. the the big thing to note again is that so Reddit security and their their rundown of the thread uh, made it very clear that every single moderator account that had been uh, taken over. Uh, to do that, it did not have two-factor authentication enabled, not a single one. So, 
Yeah, Make sure I mean, you that's... enable it if it's there, guys. <laughs> that's pretty Always. significant, right? Now, didn't a couple of the people who are claiming to have been responsible for it, didn't they advertise like, oh, this, these were a couple of passwords that we found people had and like making fun of the passwords that some of the accounts had? Yeah, yeah, they were they were talking about how like how easy it was uh, once they got a hold of some of that stuff to, to you know crack passwords or just they were brute forcing a lot of them uh, and yeah they just like some they were making fun of how weak some of the passwords were in general so I, I think it just kind of goes to show that like this is a good example of why like password security and two factor authentication like use long select complex passwords uh, and two factor and and you'll greatly reduce a lot of the chances of this kind of stuff happening. Yeah, I mean, it was, like you said, I think mainly just to rile people up. But like the Twitter thing, it could have been way, way worse, I think, um, because you have a combination of these moderator accounts, so the ones with elevated privileges, not only not having two-factor or multi-factor authentication, but also having weaker passwords on top of that as well that allowed them to get compromised in the first place. So thankfully, no, I guess, major damage was was caused, but I think it still highlights uh, some potential issues that, that come with account takeover stuff and mm-hmm. showing that, you know, these aren't super sensitive accounts that are linked to people's banks or financial or have super personal information. Like these are just Reddit accounts, really. So people uh, can find value in doing any kind of account takers, account takeovers. And even even from there, I think you, you might have, uh, just if, if you wanted to stretch it a little bit, um, you know, you could probably generalize and people that are using weaker weaker passwords, things like that, uh, may be reusing them. So they may open themselves up to a lot of, you know, ver- various other things for various services, especially if they're using the same email account or anything. Uh, I think that it's definitely something to, to keep in mind. So if, if you're somebody out there that's using a weak password and you don't have two-factor enabled on stuff, just, just change that. It's, it's a little bit of a pain to get it set up and do it, but it, it's so much better in the long run. Please do at least one of those two, ideally both. Yeah. Yeah, so I I mean, I said it it did remind me of what happened to Twitter, but there are a couple of differences out there. Like with Twitter, someone had access to the administrative backend panel, right, Mm -hmm. that allowed them to essentially turn off two-factor where it existed. But with this, you know, that didn't exist to begin with. So, I mean, speaking of Twitter, there was actually some other drama on there this week as well. Um, Apparently, there was a leak that affected Intel, So there was a software engineer that wasn't working for Intel specifically, but they tweeted that an anonymous hacker, and I quote that, uh, shared a bunch of internal documents for Intel with the the software engineer. So their Twitter account is actually deleted or suspended right now, probably because of that. Um, But essentially that leak that the person shared with them included about 20 gigabytes of confidential stuff for Intel, things like source codes, product guides, manuals, technical specs, development and debugging tools, and more. And they had uploaded that. It's it's big, right? Uh, And 20 gigs isn't, I mean, if you look at it in terms of like documents and PDFs and stuff, and you know, 20 gigs is a lot. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, those documents don't really take up a lot of space. So you can only imagine the sheer volume of all the information that was packed in there. Yeah. Yeah. And so they they had uploaded all of that stuff to to Mega, the, the file sharing service, and called it the X Confidential Lake. So I, I mean, Casey, when I when I saw that that little off topic, but it reminded me of one of the working titles that we had for the ATO research: when a leak becomes a lake. Yep. So maybe <laughs> they uh, maybe they managed to see that we were considering that, but probably has something to do with with Intel lakes. 
I'm, I think I that was makes sense. Say, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I was searching for a pun there for, for the, uh, some kind of lake processor, but I can't, I couldn't do it quick enough. I mean, you so, tried. I mean, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so they had, uh, the, the hacker, the hacker said that they had taken the data from a misconfigured internet server hosted by Akamai's content delivery network. So that's a CDN, right? Um, I mean, Charles or, or Casey, in a few words, what exactly is a CDN? Um, basically, yeah, I mean, it's, it's almost exactly what it sounds like. So they just, they, they help uh, make sure that your website can withstand a lot of the traffic that it's going to be getting uh, that will always be able to stay up. Um, so basically it'll help like cache a lot of the most frequently used portions of the site, stuff like that. So uh, when you start to get a lot of bandwidth usage, it's not just going to all hit your server all at once and take it down and make your service unavailable. So. Yeah, and so they, they said that they had found it actually using a, a scanning tool in, in conjunction with a Python script to identify default usernames and unsecure instances of various files and folder accesses. And so we see this kind of stuff time and time again, right? Um, attackers using automated tools and scripts to identify these misconfigured um, servers that are inadvertently facing the internet where they probably shouldn't be and are probably not as secure as they, as they could be. And Intel actually responded which is also something that we don't really see that often, but they were denied that there was a the hack. And I, I keep saying it like that because I absolutely hate this word because it's so, so vague and it's so undescriptive. I, I hate it with a passion and I will. <laughs> and I'm so glad we're on the same page. It has such a negative connotation and I don't like it whenever it's applied to negative things. Yeah. <laughs> And so, so they said that it wasn't a it wasn't a hack. So I guess they they said that it wasn't a direct attack on their on their servers or services. Instead, they said that they uh, had suspected a, a rogue third party who had access to the company's internal web portal and who maliciously downloaded and leaked the info. And so, I think it's important to note that unlike some other instances of misconfigurations, there was no customer or personal info allegedly impacted. Allegedly, I mean, we don't know the full extent of the leak, and I haven't looked at the actual data to begin with, but we always see these kinds of leaks affecting customer databases and PII, right? So in one way, it's good that that stuff isn't impacted, but the uh, confidential and sensitive stuff that was allegedly impacted is, is still pretty, pretty big news to begin with. And so, I mean, in, in any case, leaking this kind of sensitive proprietary and confidential stuff can still be pretty, pretty damaging. I mean, what would you guys say could be a, a worst case scenario for this? Surely like competitors, or if you think about nation state attackers could, find some value if they got their hands on it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was thinking the same thing. I mean, competitive advantage, that's huge. If you're able to get all that information and actually be able to, you know, build a plan of how to go against it or beat out your competitor. And then on the nation state side, all they want is information. So the more the merrier in their eyes. So that's yeah. scary stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's I mean, also, depending on what kind of information was leaked, it could also be useful to anyone who actually does try and attack their infrastructure. If there's any kind of sensitive internal stuff that, that maps out their networks or anything like that, it could be used as, as a form of reconnaissance. Could yeah. be. But I think in any case, it, it highlights some important best practices that I think everyone should follow. And I know we've, again, talked a lot about limiting your external facing infrastructure, but it's also so, so important to design these access policies around the principle of least privileges. And again, this is brought up with what happened with Twitter a couple of weeks ago. If someone doesn't need access to something or a specific tool, right, for, the, for their job, it's not critical for their job, they probably shouldn't have access to that to begin with. And we see so many leaks or uh, various data breaches that occur because someone had access to something that they didn't. 
Yeah. I mean, I totally agree. I mean, one of the, the things that I figured out is that permission crawl is one of those things that really affects organizations. Because if they move someone from one department to a different one or just do a completely different role and they don't adjust those permissions accordingly, I mean, it usually flies under the radar. So that can end up being a much bigger issue later down the road. That's a good point. And it's also with people that leave companies, right? If those accounts aren't deactivated and they had, you know, for some reason they had elevated privileges that didn't get removed when they left, that could also be something that could cause a company a lot of problems. Oh yeah. If there was access and then that account was abused, that's, nope, no thanks. That's no good. And I think as a last topic, there's some good news, which doesn't seem like we get very often nowadays. We often report on things that are bad, but I think that this is something that's good. Um, So Troy Hunt, the creator of the service Have I Been Pwned, announced this week that they were open sourcing the Have I Been Pwned code base. So Casey, what can you tell us about this? Yeah, I mean, I was reading over what Troy Hunt put out, and I was almost getting emotional over how commonly he was talking about community and the betterment of it. So yeah, I definitely see this as a good thing, because I mean, I'm a, I'm a proponent for open source software and tools and stuff like that. So I think this is a great thing. Um, so what had happened was after a failed M&A process of a um, private bidder trying to buy Have I Been Pwned, um, Troy Hunt finally decided to go with open source. So this is for the betterment of the project, but then this is also for the betterment of the people that actually use Have I Been Pwned. So I think it's really cool. Um, so, so for people yeah. who don't know what Have I Been Pwned is, what, what is it and who is it used by? Yeah, so Have I Been Pwned is a massive breach repository plus a whole lot more. So they have your regular website GUI, they have API access, and they've also partnered up with quite a few different companies like Cloud, Cloudflare excuse me, and um, LastPass to help other folks be able to maintain security of their accounts. So who uses it? I mean, that's, that's a mixed bag there. I mean, you have security researchers that use it whenever you're kind of trying to figure out if certain credentials have been compromised. And then I even tell like my friends who work in finance or I don't know hospitality management to check their email every once in a while to see if that password or that email has been compromised. Yeah. I mean, have I been pwned is is fairly mainstream. Like I knew about it before I joined this sector, like right when I was still in school, you know, I had my email on I was looking at it and have it been pwned and had it on, on monitoring from there. So I think it's good that um, they're doing this essentially for community betterment. I think that's yeah. really, really important, especially because it's not something that's only limited to people in the cyber world or in InfoSec, right? This is someone that this is something that absolutely anyone and everyone can use. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Sure, I mean sure. this in, this entire program was built from the ground up for the the greater good. So I mean it's for anyone, everyone yeah, go for it. It's it's a great platform. Yeah. So, so I mean, what, what's the benefit or I guess the, the impact of it being open source and how does that compare to how it was maintained before? Yeah. So uh, like I said earlier, before Troy had put the um, entire platform up for sale, but that failed with an M&A process. And so he decided that going open source would be the best option. So he stated that Have I Been Pwned has always been open in spirit, but then shifting the platform to open source not only benefits the community, but the community can also benefit the platform in reciprocity. So it's really cool. Yeah, that's definitely really good. And I mean, like you mentioned, um, that M&A had failed. And so he decided that essentially this would be the next best option to that. And I think that that's 
really good. You know, we don't yeah. see that happen oftentimes. Um, I mean, what did, what did Troy Hunt say? Are there any like legal implications of this? You know, because having been pwned does have, you know, they, they have access to these breaches that in themselves have, you know, sensitive personal information. So what did, I, I know Troy Hunt posted a little bit about this. So what did he say about the, the legal implications of it? Yeah. So, I mean, the legality of possessing these types of credentials and all of this information in general is a gray area. However, whenever Troy was, you know, talking about the plan to go open source, he really underlined the need to ensure that the same privacy controls prevail across the breach data itself throughout this entire open source process. So again, it's, it's a gray area legal wise, but I think in terms of morality or ethics wise, it's a good thing. Yeah, I think especially with open source as well, it it means that people have insight into it that would let them be a lot more confident with the way that it's handling and storing and gaining access to this kind of data, which I think is one of the one of the big, big positives of having it be open source, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, one of the motivations that Troy had to kind of give or not give, but sell have I been pwned to begin with before he chose the open source option is because he was solely responsible for maintaining the entire platform. And that's, that's a lot of responsibility on one person. Yeah, that's a lot. So, I mean, it was kind of a philosophical conversation about, you know, what if something happens to me, especially in these tough times, it goes away. There's no one to maintain it. It's gone. So this opens up the doors for one, the community to help maintain this platform uh, for the greater good. And then also a lot of folks did have concerns about how the platform was run. Like how valid was the data? Was it legitimate? Are you just doing this just cause? So I think, you know, opening those doors again would help ease those concerns. So people actually know how it works. Yeah. So it's good to know that Have I Been Pwned isn't going away anytime yeah. soon. At least I hope not. So I think because of this, it'll be here for, for a little while. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. So I think that wraps up about all of the topics that we have for this week. Um, I wanted to end this, uh, this episode with a, a little bit of a personal update, but this will be my last time hosting the podcast, which is just very sad. It's a little bit of an emotional time, but I am going to be moving over to Scotland um, over the next couple of weeks. You know, it's a crazy time to be moving, but you know, some some new opportunities await me. So I think from the U.S. side of things, uh, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to start having Casey being the host. Isn't that right, Casey? Yeah, man, that's the plan. We're going to see how that goes. But we'll have you a guest as a guest like every week, if you don't mind. Is that cool? I, I will aim to be the number one <laughs> listener as well on the times that I am not a guest. So Absolutely. when you look into the data analytics, you'll see my name up there. Number one listener, Alex. I'm looking forward to it. Leave us a review, please. Um, no. <laughs> I'll, leave, I'll leave a review on everything. <laughs> I'm, I'm really. Oh, yeah, that'd be a good one. <laughs> review us on Yelp. I mean, I'm really, really bummed that you are leaving us, but I'm so happy and so excited for you and your future endeavors. So go yeah, to Scotland, man. Enjoy <laughs> that weather that doesn't make yeah. you melt outside. You're never going to sweat again. I'm so jealous. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I know you wanted to end the podcast on that note, but naturally, Charles and I are going to have to say a few words to you Uh-oh. before you <laughs> depart the podcast officially. So I just wanted to take a couple minutes for Charles and I to express either, you know, a really good 
uh, memory that we have of working with you or what our favorite part of it was. Um, Charles, do you want to go first or do you want me to hit it off? Either way. Okay. First. Okay. Yeah, go for it. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, man. I mean, you, you know, yeah, we, we talk outside of work and stuff. If I told you how happy I am for you and stoked and stuff, but, uh, yeah, I, I gotta say, man, like I started working here a little over two years ago and you were one of the first people I started talking to on a regular basis. And, uh, we hit it off similar interests and hobbies and stuff. And, uh, always had a lot to learn from you and uh, you've always like pushed me to, to write better uh, things, you know, things like that. Like you've always, you've always been good at, at inspiring me to, be challenged uh you know don't don't be complacent with things and it's always been nice man like you always like to just kind of keep yourself occupied uh like that and it's 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 really nice uh, to be friends with someone like that because it is motivating man so you guys are gonna make me cry don't do that don't do <laughs> that bro cry it's fine I, I remember i remember charles <laughs> i was actually i was one of the ones who interviewed you at first yeah. i was like who's, yeah. who's this knucklehead yep <laughs> little did i know yeah, man. <laughs> a, a friendship was budding. Yeah, um, yeah no, I, I definitely feel the same way or to an extent the way the way Charles does. Um, I mean, the first week that I joined Digital Shadows, I saw the way that Alex talked about cybersecurity and more specifically ransomware. And I was like, whoa, this dude's smart. <laughs> I am way out way of the picture credit. here. <laughs> But no, I mean, especially since I joined the threat research team, I know that I don't really have um, the tendency to ask the best questions. A lot of them are actually kind of dumb, but you never treated me like they were dumb and you were always very supportive and kind and helpful in your responses. So I really appreciate that. Uh, it's been a lot of fun working with you, Alexi. Thanks, guys. It's been it's been great. I like this little uh, podcast setup, the podcast crew. It's it's been good. Um, I mean, I've, I've been with the company for almost four years now, so I've, I've seen a lot, but I've definitely had a great time with, with both of you and I'm going to miss you guys a lot. All well, right. Alex, you going to well, sign us off for the last time? <laughs> well, thank you everyone for joining. Um, thank you, Casey and Charles for, uh, for being on the podcast. Um, not just today, but, but every time, um, just one more quick thing. We put out a new blog from the, the, the Photon research team a couple of days ago about how escrow systems work on various cyber criminal forums. So if you'd like to check that blog out, the link, as always, will be in the show notes. So until then, signing off for the very last time. I'll see all you guys later. Bye. Bye. <laughs>